Welcome to Spiritual Basics Podcast with April and Jen, a bi-monthly podcast designed to teach the searchers, seekers, and spiritually curious the basics of metaphysics and new thought. They're all about the basics, but they are not basic bitches. Now, here are your hosts, April Dali and Jen Merkel. Thank you so much for joining us for Spiritual Basics Podcast for another episode. We're so happy to have you. My name is Jen Merkel. And I'm April Darley. So, April, Jen. I know, you know, it's so funny. Like, we, we talk, we're, we're so funny because people don't know this, but we talk for like 10 minutes, sometimes an hour before the episode because mm-hmm. it's like our time to yeah. catch up and yeah. you know I thought about it it's kind of cool because I feel like I've become closer to you because we have like this date every couple of weeks when we record so it's mm-hmm. pretty fun but we were just talking a, a minute ago about how April's arm on her microphone makes a noise every time she puts her water down so I was scolding mm-hmm. her for it but I yes. crochet these little um, coasters for myself just out of cotton yarn that I have and uh, I told her I would crochet her one but I wanted to tell you about something April I think I invited mm-hmm. you to this group there's a group called buy nothing Bedford yep I'm in it and um I just got some yarn from somebody today so for people oh. that don't know there is a social I don't know what you would call it movement I guess there are a couple social movements that I love being the Aquarius that I am but um <laughs> One is a buy nothing, the buy nothing movement. And what it is, is the idea that when you have something you no longer need, and this is a Facebook group. So the one I'm in is buy nothing Bedford because I live in Bedford. This lady posted that she, she keeps getting this yarn from one of those subscription things where you get yarn every month. She's like, I, I canceled, but they keep sending it to me and I don't want it. Wow. I don't need it. So um, I posted, Hey, I'd really like this, this one. Like she had five pictures. I'd love number five. And, you know, I told her what I could use it for. And then she gets to choose who to give it to. She can do a random drawing. She can just ask people to post their favorite emoji, you know, whatever she wants. Mm-hmm. That's, that's the rule. And she picked me to, to get this yarn. So I just went nice. and picked it up from her porch. And now I've got this yarn that would have ended up in the garbage or maybe even like donated to Goodwill or something. And, you know, when you donate to a thrift shop, a lot of those things that don't get purchased, they end up in landfills. Mm-hmm. So I, I think it's really cool. And there's stuff that I've given away myself you know, people just come and pick it up. And I feel good because I feel like it, it has a home, it's getting mm-hmm. used, you know. So that's one of my favorite causes. Another one that I am in is called, well, if, if you've heard of the Kindness Rocks movement, I call it a movement, but that's actually <laughs> really like a silly word. It's like a very formal word for what it is. I believe so. That is where people paint rocks with inspirational messages and just hide them around locales. Yeah. Is that it? Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Um, they hide them around or it can be instrument, inspirational messages or it can be pictures or whatever. It doesn't even have to be good. Like it's just a fun thing to do. So I joined that on Facebook and I've hidden a couple rocks for that. I haven't painted any lately, but I do really want to get back into doing some. I have some rocks ready to paint. I just haven't done it. It's cool because you can be out at a park somewhere and you see this rock and you pick it up and on the back, it says, keep or hide, you decide. And then it's got our uh, tagline, hashtag, which is H-E-B rocks because it's H-E-B rocks is the name of the Facebook group, but they have them for all over. Like they have them for Arlington. They have them for all cities all throughout the U.S., maybe even beyond. I'm not sure. So if you're listening to the podcast and it's something you think you might like to do, um, those are a couple of things you might want to check out. Sounds wonderful. Yeah. 
I thought it was pretty cool. So now I get to go have fun with my yarn that I got my free yarn. Nice. What color? It's actually multicolor. Multicolor. And it's a it's a kind of yarn that I have never used before. So it's okay. going to be challenging for me, but it, it makes me feel good because it's like, well, I didn't go and spend 10 bucks on some yarns that I might not even mm-hmm. use or like mm-hmm. or whatever. So I can experiment with it and not even. Okay. All and right. I thought, worst case scenario, if I have project fails, I can just use it to tie up some presents <laughs> or something, it's you know, true. I don't know. Yeah. All out. right. Well, I look forward to my multicolored <laughs> coaster then. And this, this is not a podcast about crafting, believe it or not. <laughs> Although you might think so, because the first five minutes is talking about painting and crocheting, but anyway. Well, I mean, what we could have recorded what, that we didn't record was skincare, yeah. Going over our skincare regimes, going yes. over our Saturday plans. And yeah. et cetera, et cetera. so like Jen said, we, we talk about a lot of random things and then we, at some point we have to cut ourselves off and go, okay, well, what are we actually talking about on the podcast? Isn't that a great segue? Because this episode and what we're talking about are the houses of the Zodiac. So we had an episode called all about the Zodiac signs a couple episodes back. So that's something you might want to refer to, to um, learn about your signs, but this is going to be about the houses. So we're going to talk about that. So houses, what are houses? They represent your unconscious choices and collectively the houses represents all areas of your life and your experiences. So the houses aren't about a certain type of energy themselves like a zodiac sign would be or something, but they give a context about different themes that you have throughout your life in which the planets and signs interact. And we're going to go through each of the houses and what each of their themes, so to speak, are in just a minute. So there are 12 houses and houses one through six are about your personal development. And that can include things like home and children, your inner self and personality, health, knowledge, income and creativity, things that are about you. And then houses seven through 12 are more about your development and the interaction within your community or the world or the universe. So that's more about relationships, career goals, and spending. They work with planets and signs. So the planets travel through the houses. And if you think about how the solar system works, Mercury goes around the sun pretty fast. So it travels through each house about every 14 to 30 days. And Uranus and Pluto, they're further out. So Uranus takes about seven years and Pluto takes as many as 20 years. They're much slower. They take a lot longer to travel through the houses, kind of like how they revolve around the sun. And the other thing too, you might notice that sometimes you might have more than one planet in the house. And that means extra emphasis on that. And we're going to talk about that in a little bit as well. Planets that are located within the houses of your natal chart, give that particular house a different expression or flavor. So you might find when you look at your chart, we'll give you some resources in a second, but when you look at your chart, you might not have planets in a house. And that doesn't mean that things aren't happening for you. You just want to reference the house's ruling planet. And we're going to talk about each of those things as well. So if you look at your chart and for example, you don't have anything in the first house, it doesn't mean that nothing's happened in there. You just want to look at the rulers for that house. And if you're sitting there wondering, how the heck do I figure all of this stuff out? You do want to run a natal or birth chart. 
And there are a few sites that we're going to give you that you can do that for free. You want to look at something called your rising sign, which will equal your first house. But if you look at the sky like it's a wheel, almost like a clock, there are 12 little pie wedges and, and 12 slices. So unlike a clock where 12 is at the top, when you're looking at your zodiac houses, nine o'clock is at the top and 12 o'clock is where nine should be. So the whole wheel goes in somewhat of a counterclockwise fashion. Now, Jen and I just happen to have the same rising sign. So we are Leo and whatever your rising sign is, that is your first house. So that's where you start to number from there. So if you have any planets in these little pie wedges, they're going to change how you express that area. As Jen mentioned earlier, it's a different flavor, a different expression. That clock wheel is moving as well. Each little pie wedge is moving around the sky, just like the planets are moving around the sky. So that snapshot of your birth is taking a look at where everything's lining up together. So when you think about it, actually, it's kind of like the earth rotating, like the sun rising, right? The sun's rising on the eastern horizon. In our case, Leo was rising. So just to give you some resources so that you can run a natal chart of your own, and Jen introduced me to this first one. It's by a website called astroseek.com. It's astro-seek.com. She's going to drop the link in our resources so that you have the entire link and you can go to the exact place. Yeah, that particular site actually has a really good, they have a specific generator just for houses. So that's what I'm going to drop the link for. But you could just go to astro-seek.com and look for it yourself. I'm just going to try and make it easier for you because that's what I'm all about. And trust me, you do want this link. It is super helpful. So the second one is cafeastrology.com. And the third one is janspiller.com. It's S-P-I-L-L-E-R.com. She is an astrologer that passed away a few years ago, but her students have carried on her work and she's got a pretty nice prenatal chart there as well. In doing research for this, I've, you know, we've mentioned this before. When April and I do podcasts, this isn't necessarily just about what we know or what we think. We try to look at other perspectives and get complete information. And it's also a learning process for us for a lot of these things too. One of the resources I have is actually a book. It's called The Complete Idiot's Guide to Astrology 4th Edition. It is by Madeline Gerwig-Bradour and Lisa Lennard. This is actually, it's like a book used book I got from a library sale. So just carrying on that score about, you know, it's really, really good for all kind, all of astrology, but their section on houses was very useful to me and some of the information that we'll be presenting today. So let's get to it. I'm going to go ahead and start with the first set of houses. The first three houses are the me houses. They're the most personal. So it's all about me, me, me especially the first house. It's ruled by Mars and Aries, of course, because that's, you know, the Aries sign. It's about me, me, me. So it's about your self-image in your body. Also your personality and your identity, anything that has to do with you, the inner you. It's also about how your self-image is developed. So anything that happened during early childhood, how you um, developed your self-image, your self-awareness and self-discovery, who you are and what you will become, as well as establishing what you want out of life 
and how you're going to go about getting it. Okay, at the time that this podcast is premiering, uh, September 24th of 2020, Aries is actually in the first house right now. So I was looking to April for help on figuring that out. As this wheel progresses across the sky, you're going to have these zodiac signs and certain planets coming up. So it just means um, at that snapshot in time, you might be feeling that Aries influence and it might be exacerbating the effects of that first house. Okay. So because we don't have planets specifically in this house, we default to the ruling planet, which for this is Mars. So that's about independence, um, people that don't really like getting advice or following other people's advice, um, sometimes impulsive and really good at diving into new projects. And I think that is true for both of us for sure. Uh, now in the second house, this is ruled by Venus and Taurus. Second house is how you develop the characteristics that were noted in the first house. So the first house is about your identity, where the second house is about how you develop your self-esteem, how you form your values. It's also about your daily routine and your immediate environment. The second house is about money and work and material things. Again, it's got Taurus as its ruler and it's also about how you treat your assets and possessions. So the things that you own, how, how you treat them, how you value them. And it's correlated to how you maximize your earnings and your productivity. It can explain why people with poor self-esteem might try to fulfill their needs with material things. Um, there's someone in my life who does have, when she was going through a really hard time in her life, she had really poor self-esteem and she was addicted to shopping. And that's like total textbook, right? Well, right. It's a Taurus. It's very much a Taurus thing too. And Taurus rules that house. So makes complete sense. Now, April and I both have Pluto in retrograde in this house. And Pluto is about tying spiritual values to a social need as a means of income and sentimental value to possessions. Strong sense of ownership, good at spotting good deals or items of value. But because it's in retrograde, I'm not sure exactly what that means. Like, April, what does that mean? So Pluto is a very slow-moving planet. It's considered an outer planet. And right. We had talked about how it takes 20 years to yeah. go through a house. So you're going to find as we go through these houses, Jen and I will have a couple of the same, and they're called generational planets. So the planets will stay in that house for so long, you're going to find a large swath of the population, if you will, that's going to have that placement. And Pluto often, because it's a slow moving planet, it will be retrograde for a long period of time. And for like half the year, usually like four oh, to wow. six months, Pluto might be retrograde. So uh, you're going to find a lot of people that you're going to have certain, these outer planet retrogrades in your chart, but Pluto retrograde is any retrograde is more reflective right? And this is such an interesting place for Pluto mm. because uh, it's a, astrologers consider this to be a very challenging aspect to have Pluto in. And if you've listened to me and you've listened to the show, you know that as a Taurus, I, you, I view Taurian astrology as kind of a mixed bag. And this is one of those things where I'm like, dang it, seriously, I want my second house to be wow. But with Pluto in there, Pluto is a planet about transformation. So this applies to things like money and 
it can mean that you can have rags to riches stories in here. So you can have quick turnarounds with your money. It can also mean that you might um, have a bankruptcy in your history. Because it's about transformation, there's, it just sort of means that there's life lessons to learn about money when Pluto is in this house. But kind of a quick little fun thing is it also would make Jen and I excellent criminals. So if you have Pluto in the second house, we would be like badass mob bosses and we would be like super awesome at it. But when we got caught, we'd lose our entire empire. Yeah, but it'd be so fun until then. Right? It would be. So that that's kind of like the quirky thing so about Pluto. So we're like almost literally house. partners in crime. Like yes, quite <laughs> literally. I was I laughed so hard when I saw that you had Pluto there too and I'm like, "Oh, this is so fun." So partners in crime, uh, Jen and I have lessons to learn and about money and transforming how we think about money, how we use money. Yeah, but that sucks. Like, I don't want lessons about money. I, I know. Just want to have the money. Right? So <laughs> that's, that's probably why the I'm like, I need to learn. Dang it. Yeah. Pluto in the second house. That is. <laughs> I mean, everything is about lessons. Nobody mm -hmm. really wants the lesson. I mean, right. just the fact that we have this aversion to wanting that less, like, you know, that, that just shows that's a lesson that we need. Right. Right. So moving on. On the third house, it's ruled by Mercury and Gemini. And the third house being Mercury and Gemini is all about communication. I mean, duh, that's, you know, what Mercury and Gemini are about. It's information gathering and sharing of knowledge. So it also covers social media and technology. It's also about early education. So where and how you develop knowledge. Again, remember, we're talking about the you. We're talking about me, 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 and what you're all about. So it's still the less mature part of you. So it's the early education. Also about logic, memory, and manual skills. If you think about it, when you're very young is when you develop the manual skills, when you're getting all these memories. And it's about close environment. So the people in your life you don't choose. And that's something that actually came directly from the book that I referenced. So that means siblings, neighbors, and coworkers. So there are often a lot of challenges to learn in your third house because of that. Now for me, I have the moon in my third house, which indicates that my family is super important. Travel and education and imagination come into play. I also have Mars, which is about speaking my mind, which ugh, I never do that, right? kidding. Uh, being verbally persuasive and also being quick thinking, especially in emergency. And I know for a fact that is definitely one of my hidden talents. Nice. So I have Uranus retrograde. Uranus is another one of the slow moving planets that'll stay retrograde for months at a time. And Uranus is all about technology, sudden surprises, uh, revolution, and uh, like humanitarian or uh, invention. So the fact that I have Uranus in that third house, it might mean I'm going to shake up this third house a bit. So I might be revolutionary in how I communicate, or I might find a revolutionary or uh, inventive ways to communicate with others or the way I access and, and process knowledge. We're just talking about the planets that we have in these signs, just to give you a form of reference. Clearly, you're probably going to have different planets. At least most of them are going to be different, but it just gives you an idea of how different 
this can all make, you know, make you from everybody else is what helps you to be you rather than just having 12 different personality types, right? Mm -hmm. There are different things that it kind of zones in on. Absolutely. And the next little slice of the pie are houses four through six. And this has to do with how you communicate with people and things around you. The fourth house is the house of home, family, your roots, and your foundation. It's ruled by cancer and the moon. And this house represents the foundation of your home and family unit. So it covers matters of physical and emotional security, such as your physical home, feeling safe and secure. And this house also relates to your concept of your ancestors, your home, what type of home you want, what type of home you desire. Do you want to live someplace particular? Do you want to live in a particular type of home? Your memories of the past and feeling nostalgia. So any planets you have in this part of your natal chart, it's going to deal with energy going toward your family life. And obviously, because it's ruled by cancer, again, we're talking about the home. Cancer is all about the home. Right. And making home in its little shell. So I have Neptune in this house, which when I read the description, it was perfect for me. Home as a spiritual oasis, a respite for the chaos of the outside world, very harmonious and like a temple, very conducive to meditation and spiritual practices. And if you've ever been to my home, you would say definitely that is the case. As a matter of fact, I just got a Buddha statue today. (laughs) I had never had one. I've been wanting one forever. So have that set up today. Uh, Also karmic ties to family. So my south node is also in this house. And I know from you, April, this stuff is in the north node, but the south node is the work you need to do in order to get that, right? Mm -hmm. So your south node is really about um, your karma and what you relied on in past lives. So it's your default mode. It's the stuff you're really good at. It's cruise control. And your north node is what you really want to move toward in this life. So it's the new skills, the new way of looking at things. So we kind of have to overcome the shenanigans we did in the south node so that we can progress properly and get to that north node spot. The north, so the north node and the south node are directly opposite from each other in the chart, yes. correct? correct? So we'll be eventually coming around to that. But what I thought was really interesting when I looked through our notes is that April, your north node is where my south node is. Yep. And then the reverse would be true. Yeah. So in this particular placement of the fourth house, Jen has Neptune and her south node. I also have Neptune in this house, but mine is retrograde and my north node is here. So Interesting little fun fact. I I think I wanted to find fun, weird facts for this, like when I found it. So um, I have my North Node in Sagittarius, which for me, because my North Node is in the fourth house, it brings about a desire for home, but that Sagittarius flavor is going to give it a wandering aspect. And Jen knows this. I I'm constantly wandering in search for a home and no place feels like home. And part of that is because I have Sagittarius in that North node and that's flavoring how I view home and family. And it's giving me that wanderlust about why I can't seem to find the right fit. But having Neptune in this particular area, it increases what your fantasy of what your perfect home might be like. And we all do it. We all have that vision of home and what it feels like to us. Yeah, you romanticize an idea of your ideal home for sure, right? But Neptune also may indicate trouble at home 
with a parent, particularly the father. And that particular parent often has uh, addiction issues with drugs or alcohol. So I know that my own father was an alcoholic. And when I read this, it's like, holy crap, my astrology chart totally pegged it. But one parent can have addictions in the home. It's most often the family with Neptune. And Neptune in this particular placement can mean a sudden death by mysterious circumstances and possibly drowning. So good times. What? So do you mean Neptune or Neptune retrograde? Neptune. Ah, crap. Yeah. I don't want to die that way. <laughs> right? So your astrology is a mixed bag too. Yeah. So it's interesting it was... too, because I had even mentioned on our, uh, one of our recent podcasts when we were talking about our development, how my father also is an alcoholic. So yeah. Isn't yeah. that interesting? I had no yes. idea. Who Sometimes. knew you would find something that interesting in I your astrology know. chart? So the fifth house is the house of pleasure, creativity, and that includes romance, creativity, your pastimes or hobbies. It's ruled by Leo and the ruling planet is the sun. Of course. So this house is about, yeah, Leo is the leader and it's all about creativity and attaining what brings you pleasure. So have some fun. What brings fun into your life? This includes your hobbies, creative pursuits, and any activity that makes you feel happy. So like the fifth sex. house also- right. Yeah, sex, right? So the fifth house also covers casual sex, romance, flings, and even children. It's considered a house of luck. So if you have planets here, then that can denote how you might be lucky. And since this is the house of the heart, any planets you hear can give you some insight to how you deal with romantic and creative aspects. So this is interesting because when I looked up my own chart, in the generator in AstroSeek, it said I have fortune here. And I don't, like, I've never heard of that. So I don't even know what that is. Yeah. So I had not heard of this until you posted that link AstroSeek and I ran a chart on it. And then I fell into a very deep rabbit hole that was a couple of hours later. <laughs> Isn't that fun though? Right? It's called your part of fortune. And this is a lot to do. It's similar to what we're going to talk about later on with the 10th house, but your part of fortune deals with abundance in your career. So it, it's representing your worldly successes that are associated with also the physical body and health. So it's indicative of what kind of career or vocation that you might be really good at. So you want to look at the ruling planets of the part of fortune to kind of see what's there. And if you're at that particular crossroad in your life where you have no idea what to do, then the part of fortune might give you some ideas of what you might innately be very good at. Oh, so I get to just play because we're in the house of Leo. So awesome. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I have no planets in this house. So my, apparently it's like romance, kids, you know. <laughs> pass our best. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Wah, wah. Uh, so the sixth house is the house of health and service. It's ruled by Virgo and the ruling planet is Mercury. So if you remember anything about Virgo, you know that they are the social workers of the Zodiac and that's very much at play here in this house. So this house is all about work, your work ethic, how you make yourself of service to others and your day-to-day -day tasks. The sixth house also has less to do with your career and more about your dedication to the work that you're doing and the service you provide. So this house also rules your physical wellness, healthy lifestyle, the quest for improvement in those areas like diet and exercise. And little fun fact, pets and small animals are also ruled by this house because they can contribute to your wellness. Absolutely. And even sci yeah, scientific studies have shown even petting an animal lowers your blood pressure, helps you feel more relaxed. 
I have no planets in this house, but Jen, you have the sun. I do have the sun and that indicates that I'm good at organization. I take pride in my work and I need appreciation though, or I will move on to something else. That's right. Good at problem solving and something really interesting, healing career. So uh, hello, hypnotherapy and also service to others. And those things are me to a T. Yeah, that's very important to you. So I can see how you really take control of that with your son in that house. So on to the next quadrant, houses seven through nine are how you connect to the world. So in the seventh house, we have Libra is the ruler and Venus is the ruling planet. This is the descendant sign. And all that means is it's the opposite placement from your rising sign. The seventh house is about personal relationships and marriage. So what you're looking for in partnerships of all kinds, lessons about putting others above your own interests are going to come into play. So this is where you might be tested to stop being so selfish because, you know, the first six houses are about you, 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 right? So the next six houses are about others in the outside world. So this is where we're just beginning to learn our lessons about putting other people first and other interests first. So it's about how well you play with others in the sandbox, how you do with commitment and shared goals. It can also, if you're having, if you don't not navigate this house very well, there might be cheating in your relationship. And it's not just about romantic partnerships. It's also about business partnerships and collaboration. When you think about Libra, Libra is about balance. So partnerships are naturally going to be in here. For me, I actually have Mercury in this house and that indicates an intellectual uh sorry a need to have partners with intellectual conversations uh there might sometimes be misunderstandings though and i also have venus in this house which is about harmony and partnerships and psychology so i've got lilith it's not a planet but it's sort of an aspect and i don't know a lot about lilith but i think it has to do with your shadow side yes i believe so 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 you have uh, some unseen work to do in that house. (laughs) Right? Shocker. So in the eighth house, Scorpio rules this house and the ruling planets are Mars and Pluto. And along with Scorpio, this covers the mysteries of your life. So secrets and hidden things. It could also... It also includes things like your death, the unseen, the undetermined, I shouldn't say undetermined, the unknown. So it doesn't necessarily give a clue as to how you're going to die, but this is the house where the actual physical death is covered. So death and regeneration, which is transformation. So if you think about like the death card in Tarot, it's not just a physical death. It's about a death of something. It's about transformation. So that's exactly what the eighth house is about. It's also about matters of life and death, such as sex, meaning procreation, the procreation of sex, like the act of sex, not casual sex like we talked about earlier, but you know, sex as far as wanting to procreate. It's about being born, again, death and the afterlife as well. It also has to do with your approach to intimate relationships. And again, like I said, transformation, which areas of your life need to be transformed and how you encounter those transformations. 
It does also cover psychic powers and the occult, again, because Scorpio is all about those things, and really so is Pluto. So for me, I have Saturn in this house, and what I learned, it indicates that I am often trusted with the care of other people's money and sometimes have difficulty with emotional expression. I also have Chiron in this placement, which indicates that I'm insightful, uh, using psychic abilities for the greater good. Right. Uh, so I have something really special here in this house. It's, you are special. Anyway. I know. I am so special. And the eighth house, I have what's called a stellium. So this means a group of planets. Like I got a, a bunch of planets in this position, <laughs> y'all. So, so more than two, right? Yeah. Yeah. So a stellium, you'll find it's three or four, some definitions. So it's three or four or more houses in either, uh, sorry, planets in a house or a sign is considered a stellium. So I have three planets in this house. I've got the moon, which is all about intuition and going deep and insight. It's what we think of as like the planet of intuition. I've got Jupiter, which is your planet of luck and expansion and support. And then I've got Mars, which is about ambition and moving forward. So when you put all of these three planets together, it gives an extra, extra influence to this area of my chart. And because this is a planet of not only psychic powers and the occult, so yes, I do have psychic ability here, but because this is all about matters of death, regeneration, transformation, it means that I take a strong interest in those things and I may transform myself multiple times throughout this life. So think Phoenix rising from the ashes here. So I just might burn the whole life down, create something new. So for me, having this many planets and these types of planets in this house, it's I'm constantly going through cycles of uh, death and regrowth, death and regrowth. You know, that's really interesting too, because you have the moon in this house and this house, like I said earlier, is about secrets and hidden things. And that's what the moon is about. So it's almost like a double whammy. So, yeah. So with the moon here, it makes me very apt to see what people are hiding. So that makes me kind of really great at what I do at my job yeah. is to help people discover information that they've hidden even from themselves and bring it to light. And with Jupiter companioning that, it just means I'm very lucky and I have extra support and helping people find what's hidden, bring it to light and transforming that. And with Mars there, it's a great little, it adds a little extra power to, to doing all that. So for what I do for a job, this is an excellent placement to have. Wow. That's amazing. You know, I, I mean, we're going to go on in a second, but I just find it so fascinating how much our charts really say about our lives and who we are. Mm -hmm. You know, this is the reason astro astrology exists, but wow, it's so fascinating. All right. So now on to the ninth house, and this is ruled by Sagittarius and the planet Jupiter. Sagittarius, along with the ninth house, is about growth and expansion and learning the meaning of life. So it's about education. Whereas earlier we had talked about early childhood education, we're talking here about upper level education, how and where you look to expand your horizon. So you're out in the world and you're looking to learn. It's about philosophies and religion, your own, and also how you convey them to the outside world. It's your customs and core beliefs. 
also this house is about long distance travel over water for example like you see traveling over water if you've ever had a psychic readings where water comes into play in a tarot card you're traveling over water this is what that's about and really what that comes down to is seeking new perspectives exploring other cultures and places literally expanding your horizons to learn new perspectives and learn what the world is all about. For me, I actually have Lilith in this placement and that's about rejection of all types of borders, which explains me a lot. Uh, also possibly living in other countries. And I'll tell you, I would love to live in another country. <laughs> I just don't have the means to do it right now, but I don't know. I mean, I've, I love traveling to other countries and that for sure is an indication of that. So I have two things here. I've got the sun in Taurus here. So as you know, I am a Taurus. So with that particular placement, it also means that I can expand my horizons and expand my breadth of knowledge and education by traveling. Or it also means that those of foreign birth are particularly advantageous to me. So that that may help me in terms of uh, money, luck, career, power, things like that. And then I have Chiron in Aries here. So Chiron is not a planet, but it's a big old asteroid that's kind of like a planet. And Chiron is called the Wounded Healer. So it shows you what areas that you need extra help healing. So for me, I may find travel, since this is travel and education, I may find extra help healing myself and these deep emotional wounds through travel and through moving like away from my home, like long distance and through education and philosophy can add to healing myself. And you've done those things. I know you've, yes, I you've gone to Ireland how many times? Uh, nine, nine That's times. A, yeah. lot. It's a lot and traveling far from home. You've lived in a lot of different places. We've covered that I in have. previous podcasts. So definitely making that whole prophecy come true. Right. And if you now know what I told you about my fourth house, having Sagittarius in it, I'm a wanderer, right? Mm -hmm. I, I desperately want to put roots and have a home, but I keep wandering, trying to find the right home. You have to navigate that balance because yeah. you have to educate <laughs> yourself by traveling yep. and at the same time yep. you want to find a home. So, yep. Okay. And next up, the next quadrant is houses 10 through 12. This has to do with your dreams, your goals, and what you want to become. So this 10th house is the house of fame, career, goals, success, reputation, and public image. And this can include how you communicate through social media. So it's ruled by Capricorn and by the planet Saturn. And this house, y'all, pay attention. This is so incredibly important because it rules your career success in your overall life path. It's often referred to as your midheaven. And this house governs your reputation, professional life, social status, social media presence, as well as your relationship with your father, because in astrology, Saturn represents the father or the father figure or any authority figure, okay? And if you're looking for information on what careers you might be good at, then check out any planets or what sign you have in the 10th house. Along with that part of fortune that we discussed earlier, those two things can really help point you in the direction if you're wandering around and going, what am I good at? What do I do? The 10th house can give you a lot of clues on that. So for me, the only thing I have in this house is the North Node. And we did cover that a little bit when we were talking about my South Node placement in the fourth house. Mm -hmm. 
And of course your got, south node <laughs> is in here, like yes. we were talking about as well. Yeah. So for me, what that translates is, is my south node, because it's in the 10th house of career, means that I should not, quote air quotes here, should not seek fame and fortune in this life, but rather seek to build a strong home and family base. And you are the opposite. So for you, it would not be seeking home and family life. For you, it would be the pursuit of career and accolades and awards. Um, I've got Mercury in Gemini and South Node in Gemini here. So with Mercury in this particular placement, for me, it denotes an emphasis on communication being really important to my career. Next, we move on to the 11th house, which is the house of community, friends, social groups, and society. It's ruled by Aquarius and the planets Uranus and the ancient planet Saturn. This house focuses on community, memberships, friendship, organized groups, networking, teamwork, social justice, and working together with others. Because this house is naturally ruled by Aquarius and Uranus, Uranus is the modern day ruler, Saturn is the ancient ruler, you may feel the desire to shake things up in these areas. So the 11th house represents our collective and lifelong goals or aspirations for the betterment of humanity. Any planets you have in this house can help you guide help guide you on the roles you may play within a group and group dynamics. I don't have any planets in this house, but again, because of that, we default to the rulers. So with Uranus and Saturn, that comes up as humanitarian, strong intuition, a comprehension of universal laws, which is so important to me and the work that I do, and um, also changing your goals throughout the lifetime, which is totally true. As we've talked about before, mm -hmm. I've spent the first, first part of my life concentrating on home and family, and now I'm kind of going in my own direction and mm -hmm. pursuing a more spiritual path. Mm -hmm. So I've got a few things here. I've got Venus here, Saturn, and my part of fortune is all here. So that is going to influence how I love. So with Venus here in the 10th house, I may be attracted to successful people, or I may be attracted to people who are humanitarian in nature. Which and might explain why you have so many friends who are Aquarius. <laughs> are Aquarius. I have a bunch of Aquariuses, right? And with my it's part like of you fortune. you collect them. <laughs> I, right? I know. They teach me lessons, right? Um, with a part of fortune I have here in Cancer, it means that part of my life purpose, a part of my career is help and service to others. And that's a very strong influence here. Now, Saturn, wherever Saturn is in your chart, also means where you need to do hard work or where you may experience challenges in life. So sometimes I'm a loner, right, by nature. So group dynamics can be sometimes challenging for me and figuring out where I fit into a group dynamic because that's not my go-to nature right? So that's how Saturn plays out in this placement for me. It's a challenge sometimes for me to operate in groups and, and figure out my place in that. Now, the 12th house is the house of subconscious, secrets, spirituality, closure, completion, and the unseen. So along with the 8th house, your two psychic houses are the 8th and the 12th. It's ruled by Pisces and 
the modern day ruler is Neptune. The ancient ruler is Jupiter. This is the last house of the Zodiac representing endings and deep soul evolution. It rules over the unconscious dreams, sleep, karma, past life, trauma, the occult, paranormal, and imprisonment, whether that be literal or metaphorical. Basically, it's a pretty heavy house, like a lot of things going on here. Mm -hmm. So your unconscious is where you tend to store your shadow self, part of ourselves that we run from or that we may be unaware that they exist. So understanding any planets that you have in this house can help you better understand the deep inner workings of who you really are and that shadow work process of what you need to release to be your healthiest self. And I have no planets here, by the way. (laughs) I have Jupiter here in retrograde. And that it's about compassion, serving others, being philosophical and intuitive, and also, uh, well, pursuing an inner spiritual path, but also a giver and receiver of anonymous acts of kindness. So kind of going back to what we were talking about with the kindness rocks thing, it's about hiding those rocks. Like you don't know who's going to find them. You're just doing it for the good of humanity just to bring somebody's, you know, make somebody's day. You don't even know who they are, when they're going to see it. You might not ever find out when they got it. But the thing about that is you also, because of karma, you get to receive those anonymous acts of kindness, Mm -hmm. which is pretty cool. I like that. And you've got Jupiter here, which is wonderful. So anywhere you have Jupiter in your chart, that is a place where you are lucky, where you receive extra support and extra good stuff coming your way. So basically this would mean like with Jupiter here that you're receiving extra boost, extra support when you do your deep dive subconscious stuff. And for your job as like a hypnotherapist, that's what you want, right? That gives you extra power to help people um, tap into that subconscious area and release the shadow stuff they're holding there. So it's a really awesome, lucky placement for you. Yeah. You know, I've gone through so much of my life not being aware And here I am now over the past, not even a decade, right? Like half a decade Mm -hmm. being aware and conscious Mm -hmm. and all the stuff is coming to light and it's just fantastic. So, (laughs) well, we hope that you have enjoyed this house and Zodiac roundup. And if you have any questions, you can always reach out to us at spiritualbasicspodcast at gmail.com. Or you can also visit our website at spiritualbasicspodcast.com. We'd love to hear your show ideas. Or if you want to share anything about your spiritual story or your awakening or anything like that, we would love to hear it. We love hearing from our listeners. So until next time, we wish you all the best. Good night. This has been Spiritual Basics Podcast with April and Jen. Find full episodes on your favorite listening platform or visit spiritualbasicspodcast.com.